0: This episode of the Yankees Magazine Podcast is brought to you by MLB at Bat. Yankees baseball is always live with MLB at Bat. Follow the action with game tracking and video highlights, along with up-to-the-moment stats, standings, breaking news, and more. Download MLB at Bat today in the Apple App Store or Google Play. It's your number one app for Yankees baseball. hello and welcome back to the Yankees Magazine podcast. It's a season three episode four. I believe we should call this the Geo Urshela Saves the Day edition. (laughs) I'm John Schwartz. I'm the deputy editor of Yankees Magazine. I'm joined today by Nathan Makaborski, our executive editor. Hello, everybody. And we have Gary Phillips with us today, our associate editor. How are we doing? We're doing well. It's uh, Gary, you uh, stuck it out last night, past the rain delay, past everything, and you got to see uh, quite a Walk-off win.
1: Yeah, I I debated going home during the delay,
0: but I figured why not stick it
1: out, and that turned out to be a pretty good decision. That was a pretty epic ninth inning. Got fill-in replacements, Gio Urshela, Cameron Maben coming through clutch, and then DJ
0: LeMahieu doing his thing. Well, I think uh, as Bruce Springsteen himself said, faith shall be rewarded, so good work there. Yeah, I'm curious what you guys think about one thing that I'm really enjoying doing right now is every day as the lineup card comes out, you're kind of seeing the AAA and 4A players kind of move their way down. You know, for a little while we had a and this is no knock on Mike Talkman, but there were games when I think he hit fifth. And now you're seeing, you know, one through six are starting to look like the guys we expected, whereas now it's seven, eight, nine. It's been interesting to watch the team come back. I wonder what you think about, you know, just the way that obviously the story right now is perseverance and the story is guys stepping up. But it's also kind of fun when you start getting to see the players that you're expecting to see, right? Yeah, you
2: know, a lot of these replacements are, are making it hard for uh, Aaron Boone when, you know, the the quote unquote regulars do start coming back. Uh, he's going to have some tough decisions to make, you know, there's. There's guys who have uh, certainly earned playing time and have done a great job with the opportunities they've been given. So uh, you're right. You know, you're starting to see more, you know, the the lineup is starting to resemble more of what we expected uh, back in spring training. Um, but, I mean, how do you take a guy like Gio Urshela out of the lineup right now? So, um, I think the answer is
0: you don't. Right. I think you find out how to keep Gio Orchella in the lineup, which i you know, it's, it's going to cause some interesting and difficult conversations, but no, you don't take him out of the lineup. In the same way, while that game we're talking about wasn't necessarily the best for Clint Fraser, you know, clearly that guy's established himself as someone who belongs in the lineup right now, which is going to make for difficult conversations, obviously, when Stanton and Judge are back, but... And Hicks. And Hicks, of course. But like, if you look at the roster right now, Frazier should be playing.
1: Absolutely. And the same goes for Shella And John, you mentioned guys coming back and how it's fun to see them come back. I was talking with some of the writers yesterday. I'm curious what you guys think, but it's almost more fun in a way seeing these fill-in replacements kind of thrive and get these get this playing time and get these opportunities. I think even from like a fan's perspective, there's something a little relatable about this triple A player, this quad A player coming in, getting an opportunity, succeeding with it. There's something compelling about that that I think relates to a fan where it's like Joe Schmo can do this. well maybe
0: I could too. I'm very much of two minds there because I agree with you. It, it's certainly fun when, you know, it's a guy you weren't expecting. You know, but candidly, it's also really fun when you get to watch Giancarlo Stanton hit. Right. Um, no, and, and I'm not even joking when I say it. Like, first off, there's the fact that... and. I'm sorry if this is an unpopular opinion, but some of these guys are playing above their skill levels right now, probably. Oh, of course. Um, And so, you know, you expect that starters come back before the regression to the mean happens. But yeah, of course, it's fun to watch guys you weren't expecting. What I find really interesting that's happening right now is I feel like we're getting a combination, if you will, of 2017 and 2018. Because 2017, you had this team that had no expectations of it. And all of a sudden the Yankees were cuddly and fun and people were like (laughs) intrigued by what they were doing, which I've never seen in my lifetime. Um, People, you know, non diehard Yankees fans were like, oh man, it's a fun team to watch and it sure is a shame that, you know, it's the Yankees that we're enjoying watching like this. And then last year they had the expectations and of course they went back to being the Yankees where, you know, driving everyone crazy and (laughs) trading for the best player available and all that stuff. So this year what you have is you have on the one hand, you have that 2018 roster but you essentially have the 2017 players, or the idea of the 2017 players, were the ones contributing right now. And so, I think the Yankees right now are very fun to watch, and you you can't not enjoy seeing Gio Urshela hit a bottom of the ninth two run homer to tie the game, or seeing DJ LeMahieu then hit a walk off you know single. But you know they're still the Yankees, and I think people are going to stop finding them cuddly pretty soon if they keep winning.
2: And look, I mean, this is how baseball seasons go. I mean, it's such a long. Grind. It's a six-month season, and then the whole postseason. And you know, when you look back at past successful seasons, there's always those guys who you know maybe come up. Whether it's at the end of the year and they help power a team into the postseason, or maybe it's guys who contribute at the beginning of the year. Um, and you know, you think back and you go, "Oh man, that guy won a World Series ring. Like, wow, I for- I forgot about him." Well, you know, if things go uh, well here this year, there's probably going to be a couple guys like that who. 10 years from now, you forget, oh man, that's right. You know, Mike Talkman won a World Series ring with the 2019 Yankees and stuff like that. Forget 10 years from now, though. I think last year, sometime around mid October,
0: soon after the season ended, I did one of those sparkle quizzes, you know, name every member of the 2018 Yankees. And obviously, I pay pretty close attention to twenty eighteen Yankees, including (laughs) you know editing their headshots and their names in the rosters every month. And I missed—I think I missed Shane Robinson at the time. There, (laughs) there were other guys that I just missed, and I I had to remind myself: of course, they were on the team. And I, I know for sure that we're going to be saying this stuff to ourselves about, you know, maybe Jake Barrett. This is like kind of different, though.
1: Yes, these players happen every season for every team, but right now there's so many. At one time, just as unprecedented as all the injuries are, it's also unprecedented how many of these fill-in, unexpected guys are rising to the occasion and running
0: with their opportunities. I know, but I'm telling you, I'm dreading, dreading the like inevitable... Carlos Stanton comes back, strikes out three times in a game, and it's like, oh, "I'll get this guy out of here." It's like, "No, no." Right? No. Or, or like,
1: there's, or the, you know, the whole roster is back, everybody's healthy, and they go on, you know, a three or four game losing streak, and it's like, "Hey, bring back Talkman, bring back Tyler Wade."
0: You know? Look, Nate, you just said how long the season is. Two weeks ago, we were discussing, you know, the. You know gravest of possible fates which would be to be the red sox and obviously as we record this the red sox are a game under 500 i think it's pretty clear that the next time we record an episode i think they're going to be significantly over 500 obviously the red sox have been and are a good team and they're finally playing like it i i think the yankees overachieved with this part of the lineup in there it's really really cool though as we started the segment saying to be getting some of these guys back you know hicks is close i think Stan's probably pretty close paxton it seems everyone's saying it's one start. You know, yada, yada. We get Sanchez back. We get Andu Hor back. It's, it's fun watching the team that we expected to see. And I'll make a fun little segue right here. Another thing that's fun to watch is some of the style that we see from some of these guys when they are on the the field. You know, we've we've spoken a lot on this podcast already about Clint Frazier, certainly the resident style expert on this team right now, at least with Didi on the DL. Nate, you wrote a full story about this in the May issue of Yankees Magazine. Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about some of the style choices, some of the gear choices that some of these guys uh, are making?
2: Back in April, the the season started up here at home, and uh, we were planning out our May issue. And so really, the genesis of this story was I was curious mostly about wanting to know you know what sort of equipment guys start the season with you know do they do the Yankees use all brand new everything to start a season or is there any part of guys gear that they carry over from past years and I just literally like didn't know and I was just curious to to know how that all works so um, I talked to as many guys as I could during that first homestand and uh, learned some interesting things. You know, a lot of guys do in fact carry their gloves over from previous seasons. Not all, but a lot. One that comes to mind is Zach Britton told me he's been using the same glove basically since he was in single A for like uh, over a decade ago. <laughs> he's like, it's just, it's, it's held up well. So he's hung on to that. And then from there, we got into some of the other aspects of the gear that the guys use out there. The story started to uh, you know skew toward superstitions because guys, obviously, uh, baseball players are a superstitious bunch. Um, you know, different guys talked about, The bats they use and uh, if they're not doing well, what they do in terms of, you know, maybe borrowing another guy's bat or switching out their socks or their arm sleeves or all this different stuff. But it was just interesting to get a lot of different perspectives in one story because everybody kind of comes from a different place. Some guys are more superstitious than others. Some guys are very style conscious. Some guys could care less you know, I had a lot of sort of unanswered questions going into it and I, I learned a lot from talking to these guys.
0: As you started approaching the story, who was the guy who you said, This is the person I need to speak to? This is the person who's going to break the story open for me.
2: <laughs> Everybody's kind of fascinated with Aaron Judge, so I, I made sure to speak to him on opening day and you know, he had some some good things to say about you know, he, he, he wants to look good out there. He's he's a young guy. He, you know, he's conscious of uh, the, the footwear he's got during that uh, when he's out on the field. But uh, for him, it's all about performance. You know, he wants to – if there's, you know, a, a new arm sleeve that they say is going to help you more than the old kind, he's going to go for whatever's newest and best and, and is going to help him perform at the top of his game. Wow.
3: you are lucky you roll with them. If you're not feeling that day, you just – Baseball players are superstitious, so we just (laughs) roll with what we're feeling, so
2: you know, CeCe Sabathia, I was kind of bummed that he wasn't here on opening day because I was really excited to talk to him about, you know, everything that he chose for to start the new season with. Um, so I had to wait a little while till he got here. But, you know, I was, I was grateful to be able to talk to him. He wouldn't even reveal some of the, the choices he has lined up for this season. It's funny you mentioned CC. Uh,
0: you know, one of the recurring jokes of the season and the idea of the replacements is, you know, the Yankees have a big clubhouse. It's a relatively new stadium. There's a lot of lockers in there. And currently, every locker is occupied by a player, whether on the active roster or on the DL, except for the one right next to CC Sabathia. Mm -hmm. And a few of us were joking yesterday that they would probably bring in the like September style rolling locker before they gave away that locker. (laughs) Um, CC keeps a lot of gear and things like that in there. He obviously has his, uh, you know, veteran rights, and I imagine. There will be quite a fight if they try to take that empty locker away from him. So it's it, 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 you know there have been. I mean the, the funny thing is they, Jacoby Ellsbury doesn't have a locker right now. Mm. He had a locker all year last year. He doesn't have one right now, but CC still has an empty locker next to him.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's very uh, partial to his uh, Jordan brand shoes, um, and you know. Yeah, these guys, you know, they they put a lot of thought into what they wear out there. Other guys are more about comfort, you know. I spoke to James Paxton, who is just certainly more in the, you know, I want to feel comfortable out there. Um, There's kind of a, a, you know, a bit of a, a generation gap. It seemed like the younger guys skew towards, you know, wanting to look cool and wanting to, you know, draw attention to themselves with the gear they choose. And, you know, in general, CC notwithstanding, uh, the older guys were just like, ah, you know, I, I just want something that's going to help me perform well. <laughs> so since you wrote this, we now
1: know that Clint Frazier is this huge sneakerhead. Yeah, did, did you talk to him at all? We've seen all these really cool cleats, you know, Jordan, you know, retros and Air Force Ones that he's converted into spikes. Uh, what, what did he have to say? Yeah,
2: he was big into the shoes. You know, I was asking him; he had this like bright red gloves sitting at the top of his locker and I was like asking him, he's like, yeah, you know, I'm breaking it in. It's not game ready yet. He's like, but this is the gear I'm really excited about. And he's pointing to the shoes down there.
3: I wear the ones, the Jordan ones every day. So putting them in a cleat feels good on my feet. That's the shoe that I wear every day. And and honestly, man, up here in New York, it's, it's, it's got a lot of opportunities for a lot of eyes to watch the more that you're creative.
2: I probably would have, uh, it would have behooved me to have done some research about shoes before going into <laughs> that uh, interview, but uh, yeah, I mean, as you found out this week, right, he had some special pair that he busted out this week.
1: Yeah, so he was wearing Travis Scott's Air Force Ones, hoping that Tr- Scott was going to be there after the Met Gala earlier this week. Mm. He's also converted an old pair of Jeter Jordans into cleats. He's He's got some really cool ones, and Really, they're, they're basketball shoes, a lot of right. what he's wearing. And he's just, he's got a guy, he was telling me, that just converts them into cleats and puts spikes onto the bottom of them.
2: Yeah. And, you know, Aaron Judge was saying, uh, you know, he prefers basketball style cleats as well, not just because they're trendy or, you know, people like them or whatever, but they're easier to find in a enormous size. And uh, <laughs> they, they, Provide a lot of support, so uh, he doesn't have to worry about, you know, a Zion Williamson situation where he's out on the field and it just blows apart on him.
0: I don't want to destroy the levels on our podcast by banging too hard on our desk here, but I just knocked on wood so hard when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> you know... Nate, obviously you touched on this earlier and the superstition factor plays such a huge role in this. What were some of the other reasons for guys making the decisions they made that weren't just was not necessarily superstition, but also not just performance?
2: Yeah, you know, I thought that was uh one of the more interesting aspects of the story. You know, a lot of guys will have something out there on the field with them that's meaningful, you know, Luke Voigt. He has those two chains that you see dangling out when he leaves the top button of his jersey undone, um, but they're they're really meaningful to him. Uh, one of them is from his grandparents who passed away, uh, and the other was a, a wedding gift from his wife. He got married over the offseason. To go back to Zach Britton, he told me that he's worn the same undershirt under his jersey his entire career, um, and it's a shirt he had made up to honor a close childhood friend who was killed. Um, so there were there were numerous examples of that. You know, I went spoke to some of the pitchers about their. You know, they're kind of a little bit more limited in what they can. Uh, you know, personalize out there. You know, a, a pitcher can't have like a bright colored glove, uh, for instance. It would be a distraction to the hitter. So the pitchers will oftentimes have things uh, stitched on to their gloves, just little personal reminders of things that are important to them. You know, CC has R.I.P. NB uh, stitched onto his glove, uh, a tribute to his cousin Nate Burhell, who was uh, who passed away in 2004. You know, Louis Severino has a glove with his daughter's name stitched on it. Little things like that, I, I thought was pretty cool. You know, just ways for guys to you know pay tribute to or, or draw inspiration from people who have meant a lot to them.
0: You really, the more you talk about stuff like this, you realize just that these guys are such craftsmen in so many ways. You know, one thing that always comes back to me. I was doing a story a few years ago on Greg Bird, and he was telling me that he uses a dark bat, and the reason is not because he loves, you know, the dark look and the way it looks with the pinstripes, but because when he would hit a foul ball, he would be able to see the mark on it very clearly to see where he missed and things like that. Mm. And you see a lot of things like that. I love, love, love in your story the aspects of the bats and mm. the bats that have hits in them. Yeah. <laughs> and the pitchers who, you know, sure, Louisville Slugger, whoever, Wants to pay them some money to use their bat. We'll send them a few, but these guys aren't using their bats. They want to go over and grab a hitter's bat because a hitter's bat has hits in it. And I thought that was a great piece of the story.
2: Yeah, uh, talking to the pitchers about their bats was pretty funny. I mean, they don't uh, <laughs> they don't go through quite as many bats as the position players, but yeah, um, you know, when the interleague play rolls around, uh, they don't necessarily want to use those bats that they've been given at the beginning of the year. They want to go to the guy who's you know tearing it up and say let me let me try that one out that one's got some hits in it and even some of the fellow position players you know Austin Romine was telling me how last year you know he I guess things he was scuffling along a little bit and Miguel Andujar was on fire so he's like Biggie give me one of those bats and you know he used Andujar's bat for a few weeks and hit a few homers and and that was that so he, he kept using that one for a long time.
1: That's what voigt has been doing these last few weeks using Andahar's bats. It's been working out pretty well.
2: Yeah, it sure has. So yeah, it was a fun piece to uh, to report on. Everybody from uh, DJ Lemayhew, who you know won the last two Gold Glove awards in the National League uh, over at second base. Uh, you know, he's of course brought his glove along with him from Colorado, and uh, everybody, whether they were you know new to the team or have been here forever, you know, I made sure to ask them also just about putting on the pinstripes and, and what that means as well. And you can tell, I mean, it doesn't matter whether, whether you've been here a day or 10 years, like they don't take it for granted, not a single one of them.
3: It's pretty awesome. Right. You know, I, uh, I'm really excited to, uh, to be wearing the pinstripes. Okay. I feel really good about it. I feel good about uh, being on this team. we got a great team here. And uh, yeah, I just kind of felt like it fit as soon as I got here.
0: Well, the story is in the May issue of Yankees Magazine. It's called Style All Their Own. Nate, thanks for walking us through that My pleasure We are going to take a break just for one minute When we come back, we're going to discuss One of the most interesting, dynamic, incredible And really homegrown members of the Yankees bullpen Adam Adovino, so stick with us
3: Hey, this is Giancarlo Stan You're listening to the Yankees Magazine Podcast
0: The Yankees Magazine podcast is also brought to you by MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand with MLB.tv. Your subscription includes MLB at Bat Premium, allowing you to stream live baseball on your favorite supported devices. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details. So this episode of the Yankees Magazine Podcast is actually going to be released on Thursday, May 9th. May 9th happens to be Billy Joel's 70th birthday, so it's probably fitting that right now we discuss Gary Phillips' story, New York State of Mind, about Yankees reliever Adam Modavino. Gary. Wow,
2: how's that for uh, some synergy there? Right, Guys, yeah. sometimes
0: sometimes it just works. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: of, couldn't, couldn't write the script any better there.
0: Yeah, well, happy birthday, Billy. Gary. This, is, this was one that kind of, from the minute that the Yankees signed Adovino, it was kind of going to be a race between the members of the staff for who was going to get to write the Adam Adovino New York boy story. It was kind of like the great New York subway race. You, know, you pulled away at the end and, and you got it. So what was, your, what was your initial thought on how you were going to approach this one? My initial thought was going to be, this is about
1: a homegrown kid who... Grew up in Brooklyn. Grew up in Park Slope. Rooted for the Yankees as a kid, and basically how he made this dream a reality. But my thinking going into it was that it was really going to focus on his. Hey, he's a kid from Brooklyn, and there wasn't much more to it than that. And then from speaking to him, and, and lo his, and behold, <laughs> speaking to him and his parents, I, I found out there is a lot more to that, and they are some really, really interesting people from top to bottom, you know, between Adam's analytical mind when it comes to pitching, to you know, his days skateboarding as a kid, to his mother's background in education, and then his father is an actor and a, a judoka, you know, he practices martial arts, and all that kind of helped shape Adam into this pitcher that we see now who comes out and throws some of
2: the nastiest
1: stuff you've ever seen in the majors.
2: There are so many little nuggets and little details in this story um, that just make it really fascinating to me. How did you like, you know, how did you get his parents to sort of open up to you? Because they even were they the ones who provided the photos of Adam as a kid? They were. So there's some photos in there of him with his
1: parents at Yankee games when they were little. There's a Little League photo of him. There's one with him of Paul O'Neill in the 90s. But they were both very open, even John Adovino. Uh, The father especially gave me a lot of breadcrumbs to follow up on, which then I did with Adam, then I did with his mother. So they were really eager to speak and kind of share their story. And the more they talked and the more they talked about their own experiences, I realized how obvious it was that this had helped shape Adam as a pitcher, even though their experiences and their backgrounds
0: weren't necessarily in baseball. When you think about, you know, the way he appears on the mound and just kind of the magic that is coming out of his arm, it doesn't necessarily fit with the, the way he is in the clubhouse. He's just so, you know reserved almost, not reserved, that's the wrong word, but he, he just, he's kind of always at his locker, very often with a notebook in his hand, writing down observations, I assume, about things he's seen on video or things that came up in the meeting. You know, how did the impression you had of him, obviously none of us really knew him before he got here, but how did the impression compare to when you really got talking to him?
1: I would describe him, and, and I mean this as a compliment, I, I would describe him as like a very chill nerd. Um... <laughs> And just really the way he thinks about pitching, the way he goes about improving himself, studying his own mechanics, um, the way he goes about attacking batters, it's very—it's a very intellectual approach, and that's something he got from his father, who was a judoka, who basically learned in the dojo: don't attack just with force; attack with
0: smarts as well this is and my it, favorite part of your story i'm, I'm and, really happy you're talking about and, this
1: and it's so obvious that that same approach is something adam applies to pitching and you can you can see it on the mound when he's actually out there throwing but you can see it in the clubhouse when he's talking about it
3: you know, we try to attack things smart, not just hard, like hard working, but also work smart. So I think that was kind of something that he brought to the table, too, for sure.
1: But at the same time, there's also a part in there where I talk about him trying his hand at skateboarding and rollerblading. And, you know, he's got a few tattoos and he wears a beanie around the clubhouse a lot. And he's usually where's the just, number zero, where's the number zero. Like he's usually just laid back like there's something counterculture to him. And it, it all comes to it all comes together and you can just see it when he goes about his day to day business.
0: This is going to be a part of a story that I'm actually writing about something else for next month. But it's interesting you mentioned that because one thing that I was talking to Adam about for my story is kind of the Yankee. You know, he grew up obviously as a Yankees fan and I was talking about the Yankees reputation as kind of a you know, buttoned up, very conservative organization. And what he said to me was that that wasn't his experience as a Yankees fan, that he viewed the Yankees as a part of the counterculture in a sense, that he viewed some of these players with their, you know, interesting hair and some of the wacky personalities that it, it's just, he was telling me it's almost too easy to talk about the Yankees as being so staid and stoic and buttoned up that when you're in the bleachers, it's not conservative. It is it is countercultural. Right. And I thought that was so interesting because you know, again, like you said, that's not the imp- that's not what he seems like. That's not what the impression he gives. But then you start breaking it down a little bit, and you realize like there is something about him that is just a little counter. And yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting. He he he's different, and,
1: and and again, that's not a bad way whatsoever. But there, there's just between his personality and his approach to baseball that there's something that stands out from your your run of the mill pitcher, and that's why he is not a run of the mill pitcher anymore.
2: He, he he almost should be a lefty, right? You know, when we think of, uh, you know, baseball hotbeds, you know, you think of California and Florida and the Dominican Republic, you don't necessarily think of Park Slope, Brooklyn. Not yet. Not yet. (laughs) But um, it seemed to me when I read this story that, you know, the skateboarding aspect in some ways had an impact on him as a pitcher. It seemed like, uh, you know, sort of the light went off in his approach to pitching. And it was kind of tied to his, his his love of skateboarding. Right,
1: so his mom was telling me, and, and she absolutely hated the skateboarding and the rollerblading and sure, the yeah. dirt biking, that, that, that was not her son's favorite hobby, but she was telling me, just like anything else he ever did, if he was going to do it, he was going to take it seriously and he was going to try and be really good at it, and that's how he approached skateboarding. It turned out he wasn't so great at it, so he didn't continue with it, but... What it taught him was not everything has to be a competition against another human being. Not everything has to be all about making a team. This is something I want to improve at for the sake of improving at it because Mm -hmm. I enjoy doing it. And that kind of lingered into how he approaches baseball and approaches pitching. And now it's not just getting better because he feels pressure to, it's because he wants to.
2: And that kind of ties into uh, the way he's been able to, you know, have such great success over the last couple of years. And, you know, the way the way he's, uh, you know, worked so hard during the off seasons at his craft. Right.
1: Right. So you don't go and build that pitching lab in Harlem on a whim and invest all the technology and money that he did in there. If you don't want to really get better for yourself.
3: Baseball was always the thing that I did, but I played basketball growing up and a little bit of hockey and um so i was definitely an athlete but i think skating too though because like i just like the counterculture of it all and like i said like doing it because you love it and improving at it because you want to and not because of like some pressure of like making a team or like having a real competition like more so just like pushing yourself out of your own love for something and I feel like that type of stuff translates into my pitching because I think for a long time I was trying to do stuff for the wrong reasons, like please other people and get to certain levels. And then I think eventually I just realized how much I love the, the craft of it all. And like, now I try to think about it in that way. Like, how can I get better at something that I love to do just because I love it? You know?
1: that, that's what he did. And we've seen he has tremendous work ethic. And again, you combine that with that intellectual approach and that's how we have this pitcher out here who makes the ball dance like it's a cartoon.
0: So let's talk about that because, you know, this wasn't a big part of your story and I like that it wasn't, you know, gives us room to write more Adam out of, you know, stories moving forward. Do you think in all, you know, all of his analytical approach and all of his, you know, use of all the tools that are there, do you think he actually knows why his ball moves the way it does? Absolutely.
1: Uh, I Just from talking to him and we didn't get into the lab too much, but he's got high speed cameras in there. He's got flight tracking technology. I mean, he studies video of his mechanics and his grips and his release points frame by frame to the point where he knows exactly how the ball should be in his hand, where it should be, what angle it should be coming out when he releases it. I think he knows better than most or maybe any pitcher in baseball exactly how it should feel and look. So then why can't everyone do that? I I think part of it is the repetition that he puts into it. Part of it is the time and the amount of money and technology that he invested in this venture. So I I think if you have the drive, I I think a lot of people could. But he's done so much experimenting
2: at such a high frequency that he's just ahead of the game at this point. I also think, you know, it's in addition to that drive, it's the you know, the willingness to power through the tough times. And, you know, we're, we're getting to know Adam Adovino here in New York now, but he's been around for a while and right. he's been through a lot. Yeah, so, he I mean, wasn't always so good. No he, no, he and you, you know, dive into it in, in this story. Like, he's, he's battled through some pretty low points in his career.
1: Right, he's, you know, he came... Up with the Cardinals as a prospect, you know, struggled in the minors, struggled as a starter when they first called him up. I think he gave up, what did it say, 21 earned runs in like 22 innings, something like that his rookie year. He had some bad years in the bullpen with Colorado. He had Tommy John surgery. He had another really bad year when he came back from that. And that was when he realized, okay, I really need to make some changes and figure some things out. And that's when he built that lab that was prior to the 2018 season. And then he goes out has this phenomenal season for Colorado signs with the Yankees and he's still doing the same thing but I also think it's really fun for him I think he enjoys the science and the studying that he does
0: the story as we said is New York state of mind Gary really just a great look at him I think that I really you know there are certain stories that you just really hope that you know everyone reads because this is a new guy to the team not that many people know him yet and I, he's going to be around for a little while. I think this is a great introduction to, you know, just a really interesting, solid pitcher. So nice.
2: And I would add, you know, I hope that people pick up the May issue uh, and read this story because, you know, when I look at these photos that his family provided of him, you know, as a kid at Yankee games, you know, it's just he looks just like thousands of kids that we see here every right. night, and I think it's really, you know, in in some ways very inspiring. You know, there's just. You know, so many kids out there who have that dream and who grow up in New York and have that picture of them with a current Yankee star. And hey, maybe, you know, 20 years from now that they'll be here, you know, pitching in the Bronx.
1: Well, thank you guys both
2: for the kind words. And yeah, uh, p- please do
1: read it. I-, I promise you, you will learn something new and interesting about
0: Anavino. Uh really one of the more interesting personalities on this team. So please make sure to pick up this issue, the May issue of Yankees Magazine. We're just getting started in discussing some of the awesome content that we have for you in there. In a couple of weeks, we'll talk about my story on Gary Sanchez and the incredible way he approaches his reliability and accountability. There's also a really good Q&A with Brett Gardner. I have another story in there about Trent and Thunder manager Pat Osborne. So we're gonna we're gonna walk you through a lot of that stuff in episodes to come. But in the meantime, please pick up the issue. Please visit yankees.com slash publications to purchase individual issues or to buy a subscription. Yankees.com slash magazine, where you can read our long form content. And of course, follow us on Twitter at Yanks Magazine. Our podcast is available at Yankees.com slash podcast. Please, please, please subscribe, rate, review. If you have friends, that you really really like, make sure that they like rate and review it as well. If you have friends you don't like that much, them too. Let's 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 get everyone on board here, and we will speak to you in a few weeks. Thanks so much and uh have a great day.
3: Hi, this is Tommy Canley. For more stories like the ones you've been hearing about, subscribe to Yankee's Magazine by visiting yankees.com/publications or by calling 800 go yanks.
0: The MLB Ballpark app will complete your next visit to Yankee Stadium. Buy and manage game tickets, redeem special check-in offers, access exclusive content, and much more. Download the MLB Ballpark app today by visiting yankees.com
3: backslash ballpark app.